Thank you for listening to the BJJ Brick Podcast. We'll be bringing you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and good times. We hope to flatten your Jiu-Jitsu learning curve, help you get the most out of your grappling ability, and meet your goals both on and off the mat. Welcome back, my friends. Episode 77 of the BJJ Brick Podcast. This is Byron. I'm here with my buddy Gary. Gary, how's it going? It's going great. How about you, Byron? And I'm doing awesome. Uh, we've got a great show today. Uh, this is part one of our two-part interview with Ricardo from jujiology.com. And you definitely don't want to miss that. We had a great time talking with Ricardo, a very knowledgeable person and, and a unique interview where we're talking kind of about how the mind works with jiu-jitsu, kind of. So definitely stay tuned for that. Yep, a lot of great training tips and, and, and competition, like helping you deal with anxiety, helping you uh, recover uh, mentally from, from training and, and different, a lot of different ideas that we really hadn't heard of um, in this, in this two-part uh, interview here. So that, that was a lot of fun and uh, very. Uh, it's great when people could use their own perspective and, and help uh, Jiu-Jitsu through, that, through their own eyes. That's really cool. Yeah, he's getting ready to get his master's degree, so he's very knowledgeable in psychology, and he translates that over to over to jujitsu, and uh, just a very very unique perspective. and uh, And I know I learned a lot, and I think everybody else will too. Absolutely, Gary. If somebody wants a little bit more of the BJJ Brick podcast, they could go by the website or the Facebook fan page and sign up for our email list. It comes out every Tuesday. Um, we send out a little newsletter. Uh, it has a link on the very bottom of the of the of the show notes and that link will take you to a dropbox folder where you can download uh some little mp3 files like kind of like little audio books so that that's a little way you can get additional uh bjj brick action gary let's get right to our quote of the week let's get there what do we got here this week byron all right this week we have a quote from an unknown source it's just one that uh we picked out here um, you sure the person's name's actually not unknown? It could be. That'd be a terrible name to give somebody. But, yeah, uh, definitely would be. Unknown person and unknown date, uh, this was once said. Yeah. The difference between well, somebody who is in shape and somebody who is not in shape is the individual who is in shape works out even when they do not want to. And that is true. Um, think about, I mean, I know you're in shape. I, I think I'm in shape. And how many times have you not wanted to work out, but... But you definitely do because you know it's not necessarily not just good for jujitsu, but it's it's good for your overall health. It it, it really makes me feel better. I, I perform better throughout the day. Yeah, occasionally, like if I have a goal I'm working towards, I'll make I'll make myself get up a little earlier to work out or something like that. But usually, uh, with jujitsu, luckily it's fun, so we don't have to we don't have to push ourselves to go show up because if we're able to go train, we go do it, and it's, it's part of the enjoyment in, in the day. But, you know, it's not just even jujitsu. Like, tonight I'm not going to train. I know you are. But after uh, I'm going to do a little bit of, you know, working out and uh, hitting on my uh, Airdyne bike. And what do you do? Do you work out besides just your jujitsu? Do you do other stuff? I know well, you play a little dodgeball. <laughs> yeah, I play a little dodgeball. Um, I, I more ra- regularly play with some racquetball. Like, like jujitsu, it's fun. I, I do it because it's fun. Yeah. It is a good workout. I get all sweaty. Um, I'll run a few miles uh, here and there. Uh, and occasionally we'll do a few pull-ups and a little bit of weights. Nothing, nothing yeah. crazy. And but the weights and the pull-ups and, and, and doing a little bit of that—that's not as fun. And 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 I do that when I'm unable to do other training. Well, the key is find fitness that is fun for you, 
not everybody likes to lift weights. Not everybody likes to do jujitsu. Um, you may like to play basketball. You may like to ride your mountain bike. You may even just walk in the dog. That's a great exercise. Yep. There's not a day I don't get my dog outside unless it's raining all day. That that uh, she likes it, and I have a good time too. And I know you're you're a big bike mountain bike guy, aren't you? Yeah, I love to ride my mountain bike. Uh, great way to uh, keep my heart going and strengthen my legs. Well, cool. It, so I think uh, that. You know, this quote, uh, somebody who works out even when they don't want to, is to find workouts that you want to do anyway. And and then occasionally when you need to work out and it's not going to be that fun, you'll get through that workout that's fine. But generally if you find fun things to exercise with, whether it's jiu-jitsu or something else on your off days, if you enjoy it, you'll be more likely to do it and stick with it. Yeah, totally true. That's a, that's the truth there. So our quote of the week here kind of goes with our article of the week. Yeah, that's why I thought, uh, you know, you were smart there. You you picked a quote that went along with the article. I thought that was pretty neat. This is on uh, dailymail.com uh, or dailymail.uk.ko.uk. Wow, butchered that. It, uh, it talks about a study that was done in Brazil a number of years back, and I've heard it referenced. This isn't the study. This is just a conversation about the study. But uh, the title is Extra- The Exercise That Predicts Your Death. Struggling with seated rise, rising test means you're five times more likely to die early. That sounds pretty dramatic. Definitely. That could scare you right there. So basically what they what they did was they took, um, I think it was like over 2,000 people, and they, made them, they had them sit down on the floor uh, like uh, crisscross applesauce. We'll talk about that, I think, in the part two of the uh, episode <laughs> of this uh, series here. But they sit down with your legs crossed. And uh, said, okay, get up and try not to use your hands or try not to make any uh, like balancing steps. And, you know, you uncross your legs and you kind of lean forward or, or you, I guess you don't have to uncross your legs to stand up. But you stand up without having to use your hands on the ground or losing balance. And if you did that, that's perfect 10 on their, on their score system. You deducted one point for putting a hand or leg out for stability. Um, and then, and then, like a half point was docked if you're kind of wobbly or whatever. So they had this little system of points uh, for how you, how good you could do standing up from a seated position without using eight. You know, if you have to grab an item and help pull yourself up, that's a a, a bigger deal. But uh, patients that who scored fewer than eight points were twice as likely to die in the next six years compared to the people who scored perfect scores. And this. So what does that tell you, Gary? It means I need to learn how to stand up from the <laughs> sitting position. But hey, uh, you you did say you start in the sitting position because uh, actually, yeah, no, I'm, I guess I'm skipping half of the tests. Okay, uh, you start yeah, because it looks like you start standing up, and then it says lower yourself to a seated position, making sure you do not use any support, and then back up again. So yeah. there's a two part to it. There's like Sit a little picture on the article. Up. Yeah, yeah. Nice thing is, like you said, they do have that little. Uh, a video. They have a video to show you how to do it. So I haven't tried it yet. Have you? Yeah, yeah. You can do it. If you're not able to do it, um, you may just kind of be you're not thinking about it as you get up. But you could, you'll be able to stand up without having to use your hands on the on the ground or, or to grab uh, an item next to you and help pull yourself up. Uh, you shouldn't have any trouble with that, Gary. I know you quite well. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but really, what this is getting down to is. Your your uh, muscles and your bones, the, 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 that system, 
if it's not able to, to do this little exercise, you're really starting to fade as far as your body and your health goes. And this is a big sign of that. Uh, that that's one good thing about jiu-jitsu. If you're, if you're able to, to keep training jiu-jitsu uh, for the long haul, like we talked about with Steve Maxwell, it's going to be uh, – it will keep you alive longer. I, it, it, I couldn't imagine somebody who trains jiu-jitsu actively who is unable to do this test successfully. Oh, yeah, definitely. You're, every time you're out there on the mat, you're you're going from standing to sitting, you know, doing takedowns, just getting up and off the mat. But the most important thing is you're out there burning calories. You're out there making your heart stronger. You're out there making your muscles stronger, which is going to lead to uh, – Live live longer, a better quality of life. You're going to be a, you know, stronger, more, more well-rounded person. Yeah, it, and, and another thing that it probably helps with, uh, or this test shows, is uh, with the musculoskeletal system. Is if you're unable to keep your balance during this, that's a big deal. Like you know, helping prevent you from falling uh, and getting hurt through that way. Um, and it also helps to. Somebody who's got a uh, like a significant problem with weight, with weight, uh, this test will be hard to do. So yeah, it's definitely going to be harder. The heavier you are, trying to, you're going to be a lot more painful on the knees. Your, your knees are going to take a beating, and then trying to get up too, it's going to be much harder. Yeah. So I mean, looking at this and looking at what we do, you know, here at for just it's it's just a reminder that staying fit will help keep you alive longer you know it, it, it predicts what was it you're six times more likely to to die in the next was it 10 years yes yep and and they also found that people who scored uh three points or, or six fewer, years yeah and they also Actually, found that people who scored three points or fewer were more five times more likely to die in the same period of time so i mean once you once you're unable to start to keep to move around on your own um you know like our our paramedic buddy craig said the, the couch is nothing but a coffin. You know, if, if you're unable to get off the couch, uh, get up, move around, uh, you've got to do something about that pretty quick. You know, time starts ticking on you. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, you got to do it quickly. You got to start, start doing some type of exercise. Slowly ease yourself into it, and and just get moving. Just get moving. I, I do like the. Uh, they have like a little warning on this test. If you want to try this test, it's a warning: Do not attempt if you have arthritis or are worried that this exercise may cause injury to you. Yeah, um, that, that's you probably are going to fail the test if you're worried about this hurting you. Yeah, well, I tell you, as soon as we get off the off the air here, I am going to try it. <laughs> Gary, as soon as we get off the air here, like you already mentioned I'm going to go train today. I'm wearing this is the first time ever. I'm wearing my gi pants uh, right now because. Uh, as soon as we're done, I, I'm hitting the road. I got my bag packed and uh, got to meet the meet the guys at the gym for some training. It's so. unusual about that. You don't wear your gi pants and your gi everywhere you go. Not not usually while uh, on podcasting. See, like, I, like I wear mine to work. <laughs> it helps get uh, get things done, right? Yeah, chicks dig it. Chicks dig it. <laughs> I've yet to meet uh, meet that lady. <laughs> But, I mean, it just kind of helps you. If you think about your family members or your loved ones in life, um, you know, maybe help uh, tr- tr- encourage them to exercise a little bit if they're not doing that. Uh, it could make a, a great difference in their quality of life and then as well as the, the length of their life. So Yeah, so definitely, you know, check that article out. Watch the video. Try it yourself. And then off to the uh, right-hand side definitely look at the day's headlines where it says bionic ants the size of hands so you might want to check the one out about robo insect workers uh, good article there too <laughs> i missed that one gary but uh, 
There's a lot of cool things out there. Ants the size yeah. of your hand, huh? Yeah, I just saw that just right now. So I was like, oh, I'll have to check that one out about the <laughs> robo ants. But sorry, I went off topic. No, that's far. that's funny. I didn't. I, uh, that'll be our maybe our article next week, Gary. <laughs> maybe if you I have think, tiny hands yeah there you go that reminds me of that Saturday Night Live skit with the lady with the tiny hands <laughs> did you ever see that one I haven't okay I think it's time for the uh, our interview with Ricardo alright this is Ricardo from uh, com, and this is a two part interview so uh, there'll be a little bit uh, more to go next week my friends we'll come back after the after the interview and get back with you guys here we go. He is the most interesting grappler in the world. He taught Steven Seagal how to do that kick. He was once robbed at gunpoint. He somehow made $200. Some people have gotten cauliflower ear just by listening to him talk. In a survival situation, he can start fire by rubbing two white belts together. I don't always listen to podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the BJJ Brick Podcast. Stay sweaty, my friends. All right, my friends, it's a pleasure to introduce Ricardo from jujitology.com. Ricardo, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing well, thank you. Good. Uh, could you tell us like a little bit about yourself if someone hasn't heard of you or been to your website yet? So my name is Ricardo Castaneda. I am from Brownsville, Texas. Uh, born and raised there. Moved to Austin when I was about 18. Uh, moved to New York for a few years and then came back to Austin about a couple of years ago or four years ago. So, uh, yeah, I've been training jiu-jitsu for, I guess, four and a half. going to be five years coming up in May. I'm a purple belt. I've had my purple belt for a couple of years now. Hoping to have my purple belt for another couple of years. Uh, the move to Brownsville is, is pretty scary. Um, aside from that, I just train jiu-jitsu, try to find balance in my life, train more jiu-jitsu, and try to find even more balance, and then train more jiu-jitsu. <laughs> Training more jiu-jitsu <laughs> is always good there. Um, but, hey, tell us, uh, I know you just don't train jiu-jitsu 24-7. Tell us uh, what you do a little bit off the mat. Uh, so my off-the-mat life is, you know, it's um, it's really non-existent i mean to some extent i i have a girlfriend two dogs and a cat and so when i'm not training jiu-jitsu uh i try to spend my free time with them when i'm not with them or at jiu-jitsu i'm in graduate school right now about to finish up in may so i'll have even more free time and uh you know the interesting thing is uh i don't really have i don't really do much aside from spending time with my my girlfriend and my dogs training jiu-jitsu or or writing or even grad school uh, I found that in life, mostly what people need is balance, and you know, the more of a social life I have, the less balance I have for jiu-jitsu and my home life. So, I've tended to, uh, I've basically cut out most of the things that keep away from my home life and jiu-jitsu and grad school. And so, I, you know, I found that these are the three most important things in my life. And so, I basically spread my 24-hour day between them and sleeping. And so, that is, that is about it. Mostly jiu-jitsu and mostly my home life. Hey, uh, can you tell us what you're going to school for right now? So I'm going to school for a Master of Arts in Psychology. Uh, I have awesome. a Bachelor of Arts in Psychology. I graduated in 2007 from St. Edward's University and uh, took a few years off. was uh, out in New York working at Cornell Medical College. And so I always wanted to get back into psychology. I tried to get into Ph.D. programs, but the market's a little tough for, for uh, doctoral programs in psychology. So 
after moving to uh, moving back to Texas, uh, I just really wanted to get back into school. So I took the I took a you know an or took a picked up a website application, Texas State University, and uh, got into a matter of arts over there in psychology. Here I am about to finish up to pursue a career in jiu-jitsu. What got you started in jiu-jitsu? What's that? I'm oh, sorry. What got me started in jiu-jitsu? Yeah. Uh, so the seed was planted back when I was living in Austin. Uh, this was probably about maybe nine or ten years ago. So if I had started when somebody told me to start, I'd probably have a black belt already. It was about ten years ago that my friend Trey had started training jiu-jitsu, but uh, I was, uh, you know, I was kind of into other things that were unproductive and unhealthy, and so it took me a while to actually even really care about the idea of joining jiu-jitsu. Um, I was living in New York, and within about three years of living there, um, I got into some bad stuff, and you know, a lot of a lot of my life was catching up to me, and so I was actually hospitalized for a pretty bad panic attack at one point. And in that time, I was trying to find a way to. Uh, to, uh, you know, it was actually pretty scary. There was about a week where I didn't even want to leave the house. And so I was looking for things to to replace the uh, bad stuff in my life. And so I was trying to find positive outlets, and I was starting to race bikes. And, uh, you know, that got me off of drinking and some other substances that I was taking at the time. And so I was racing bikes, and then during the off-season, uh, one of my friends recommended I do CrossFit. And so I started doing CrossFit to get better, you know, get more prepared for the racing season that was coming up in a few months. And uh, one of the guys at my CrossFit gym was a, at the time, a heads of racing purple belt. And so he would always tell me, you know, this, you, know, you should start training jiu-jitsu, start doing jiu-jitsu, I think he'd be really good at it. Um, I eventually took his advice, started training jiu-jitsu at New York Jiu-Jitsu on Broadway and Bond in uh, New York City. And I was training under a Enzo Gracie and John Donner of Black Belt, who is now the head instructor at Enzo Gracie Portland, Aaron Milan. And so ended up, uh, you know, actually, it was actually by accident. I went in to do an MMA class and a Muay Thai class, and I misread the schedule. And uh, Jiu-Jitsu was the class that I showed up for. And so they let me borrow a D, and I took it, and I actually fell in love with it. And so then I was rethinking my whole my whole uh, process. I so said, maybe we'll all do Jiu-Jitsu and Muay Thai, or maybe Jiu-Jitsu and MMA. I don't know. I really want really two classes because I was getting a deal. And so I showed up the next day for a Muay Thai class, really loved it. And then uh, jiu-jitsu was after that, so I took another jiu-jitsu class. And after that, I was just hooked. And so I started training there for a while. And uh, I was, you know, pretty gung-ho about it, like most beginners are. I was trying to train at least two hours a day every day and uh, uh, realized that that was not the best thing for me because within about a couple of months of training, I had started developing really bad tendonitis in, in my shoulders. And so... Uh, after I, my first bout with tendonitis, I had to take a few weeks off of training because every single time I got on the mats, it just got a lot worse. And so, uh, it kind of made me tone down a little bit in terms of how much I train. Uh, you know, looking back now as, you know, after five years of training, looking back now, I, it's kind of interesting that I see, you know, people very enthusiastic about starting their jiu-jitsu journey. And then all of a sudden they get an injury because their bodies aren't conditioned to the rigors of jiu-jitsu training. I understand it's tra- you know it translates to the gentle art, but you know if you've been training jiu-jitsu for a while, there's nothing really gentle about it. Everything starts to hurt after uh, <laughs> after a little bit. So you know uh, I always I always tell these students, especially when they first start training, it's like you know I'm very very excited about about your excitement about the art and the sport, but you know you got to learn how to listen to your body and not go overboard with it because that'll start leading to injuries and when you get injured 
especially for the beginners, when you get injured and you take a week off the mat, a week take you know a week then turns into two weeks, two weeks turns into three weeks, and especially if you haven't been doing it for a long time, it's a little bit harder to get back once you've already taken some time off. And so I've had to learn that lesson the hard way. And um, yeah, so that's that's essentially how I got my start. Is basically a long story dealing with uh, some mental health and substance issues, and uh, yeah, ended up falling in love with jujitsu and kind of replacing all the bad with the good. Cool. That sounds like a good trade. Uh, what gym are you? What, what gym are you trading at now? So I traded at Gracie Baja South Austin in uh, Brownsville. I'm sorry, in Austin, Texas. Uh, this came at the recommendation of Professor Tyler Bozard, who's down at uh, in Brownsville, Texas. So when I moved back from New York, uh, there was a couple of schools in my hometown, which is Brownsville, that I could train at. And so I ended up training with the Gracie Baja down there. It was a really legit school, and uh, I sought Professor Tyler's advice and asked him where I should train in, in Austin. So he said. You should train at the Gracie Baja up in up in South Austin, Professor uh, Dungey. And so I say, of course, you know he's he's telling me to come train uh, with another Gracie Baja. So I, you know I ended up coming, came, I gave it a shot, and uh, you know the, the the quality of instruction there is absolutely bar none. I think in best jiu-jitsu in Austin, Texas. So I'm very very happy uh, that I that Professor Tyler uh, recommended that I go there. So it's almost serendipitous that I found it. But uh, this is where I, that's where I train at right now, Gracie Baja, South Austin. Well, cool. That kind of brings us up to the speed on which you're up to and a little bit of your background um, with the website Jujitology. Can you describe uh, what you have going on there and, and which some of your goals are for the website? Or uh, Jujitology, it, it started from an old blog of mine that I used to have that I failed to keep up with. Uh, it was it's basically the third rendition of my previous blog. So after Jujitology, I started another one, Ricardo Pizal, BJJ.com. Uh, and so... Essentially, I wanted to remake that, and one of my training partners offered to remake the website to make it look a little more professional. And so, yeah, I had wanted to rename it to Jujitology, uh, mostly because of my two passions in life, aside from my home life, outside of my home life, are psychology and jujitsu. And so, figured I combine the two: the study of jujitsu, and um, that is essentially, you know, it's, it's been it's been an incredible journey trying to write and trying to challenge myself to write. A lot because a lot of you know in my in my history I uh, tend to write and stop writing and write and stop writing. I'm my own biggest critic more often than not. So uh, it's been a huge challenge to kind of keep up with this uh, with this site and you know getting all the the compliments that I get from people that read it and just checking out the readership and support that I've received thus far. It's just been absolutely humbling and incredible to see uh, you know the the uh, the reception that it's received so far. So the goal right now, um, you know we. It's it's a little bit on hold because we we want to turn it into an on demand site, and uh, ideally we we would gear it towards beginners, people that want to learn uh, some more of the basics and concepts behind jujitsu, uh, as opposed to the high level technique that's out there right now. You know, it's it's I think it's always important to start with the conceptual you know stuff before you start learning all a lot of the higher level uh, techniques, and that's kind of what we want to start working on. Is you know I, I tend to think that. Uh, conceptual learning is a lot easier than procedural learning. So, for example, if I teach you why a choke works, you'll be more likely to remember a choke than if I teach you the six steps involved in X, Y, Z choke. You know, so uh, that, that's that's been kind of the premise of all of my writing as far as well with jujitology is trying to trying to wax concept as opposed to procedure or technique because. You know, if you're anybody, if you're if you're like me, uh, I don't do well with procedure at all. I don't do well with instructions or directions. And my girlfriend actually looks at me like I'm an idiot sometimes because <laughs> I, you know, she can she can tell me what to do step by step, and it's like I haven't even gotten past step one. And so, I've always been the type that I learn um, 
I learn more based on the concept or the meaning behind something as opposed to uh, the actual steps to the, you know, to the project that I'm working on. And so that was the whole concept for the site beginning. And that's, that's I think, where we want to take it in terms of an on-demand, more conceptual type learning for, for jiu-jitsu beginners. And uh, it's actually in the in the whole process of building the site and talking with uh, my, my now my business partner, Nils, uh, we've actually decided to start a clothing brand. So we uh, just incorporated the site right now, and we are going to be hopefully starting a clothing line sometime in early April. It's when we should get our first batch of uh, T-shirts in. So this has been a, it's been a very uh, exciting time in my life, in addition to just turning in my thesis last night and also, you know, finishing up grad school in May. Oh, that's so I hope awesome. that answered your question yeah, in a very, awesome. very roundabout way. <laughs> Yeah, that's really great. Getting your thesis turned in last night, gonna gonna be done with your your masters. That that's incredible. Um, but going back to kind of what you were talking about, your website. What really drew me to your website was like what you were saying there, the concepts and the ideology. Besides just talking about you know the technique, and and I'm the same way. I I I'm, I learned kind of how how you do. I, I need to know a little bit about it. You can show me the steps, and it doesn't work. And and I was just really drawn to your site, and I just I just think there's so much great information there for for anybody from a beginner to a high level jujitsu person. Awesome, thank you. I appreciate that. That was uh, that was that was the main goal behind it is to start talking more concept because you know it's funny. I have uh, one of my training partners from uh, from Houston came down to visit a few weeks ago and. It was uh, basically a relaxed Sunday. It was he just kind of showed up expecting a huge sparring day, but I guess most of my training partners decided to take a day off. And, you know, he's another purple belt, and there was a white belt that was with us. And you know, we we kind of just started talking about you know stuff. And so, you know, he uh, I ended up pulling off a choke on the white belt that was in attendance, and he's he's like, "Well, well man, how did you do that?" And I was like. You know, to be honest with you, I don't even know how I did it. I kind of just did it, and you tapped, and I said, oh, wow, maybe I just invented a choke. And so it got me on this whole idea that if you know how a choke works, you know, a choke is a choke is a choke. Whether you're using, you know, a collar, whether you're using your legs, whether you're using your arms, a choke is a choke is a choke. It works by restricting blood or airway to your to your brain. So if you understand how to, you know, to restrict the blood flow or the oxygen to the brain and also apply, apply a leverage point, then nine times out of ten, you'll be able to finish some kind of choke, whether, again, with your legs, feet, ankle, wrist, whatever whatever it may be. And so, you know, we got to talking about how how uh, the concepts behind the actual techniques are much more important because if you – I think what a lot of people get caught up in is the nomenclature behind behind what things are. You know, they need, they need to name a choke. They need to name an arm bar. They need to name a leg lock. They need to have a name for every single thing that they do. And I think a lot of times, especially during during a training session or a rolling session, you know, I feel like I've somehow, you know, not somehow, but I feel like I've gotten past that point where if I'm rolling with somebody and all of a sudden I go, oh, wait, I know I can do this from here. I don't really think about the name behind what it is that I'm doing. I'm mostly trying to look for a way to set something up, whereas a lot of people, I feel like they get caught in that oh, I think I can do that that Superman choke for me. You know, so like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what, what, what kind of Superman choke are you talking about? What kind of pillow choke are you talking about? You know, so a lot of people are like, oh, is that a loop choke? Is that a, you know, it, it's just a choke. It's just a choke. I, I, I grabbed your collar from one section. I grabbed your collar from another section. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I pulled and you tapped. And so, you know, that's, that's to me, the, the more important than the actual moves or the names themselves, right? And so I think by by 
just understanding how an armbar works, you know, applying pressure against the elbow when the thumb is upright, you know, applying pressure against the knee when the toes are, you know, knowing how these submissions and techniques work is so much more important than being, you know, trying to name them and trying to categorize every single thing. You know, jiu-jitsu is jiu-jitsu. It doesn't, it doesn't, every, everything in between doesn't really need a name. Does that make sense? Yeah, so, definitely. I'm kind uh, of like... That's kind of this, uh, this, this, uh, you know, post that I wanted to write about, actually. I never got a chance to write about it, but anywho, that is one of the ideas behind, behind the site. And with your uh, background there in psych- psychology, that's definitely got to help you, you know, on the mat, off the mat, the way you look at everything. And can you tell us a little bit how how you go back and forth, between, you know, use your psychology and your jiu-jitsu? Yeah, of course. Um, so, you know, my my girlfriend sometimes when I when I mess up and I'm not, I'm not I don't understand her, she always brings up the fact that I've got my degree in psychology. And she always like, you should you should understand how I feel right now. It's <laughs> <laughs> the same kind of applies in jiu-jitsu. It's like my my background in psychology. What it has helped me out, I think, most with is understanding how the how the mind basically controls the body. And so I think the biggest thing that I've taken away from my from my psychology my my education is that knowing that the the mind is quite possibly more important than anything that our body could be doing. What I mean by that is it doesn't matter what kind of physical condition you're in, and we see this all the time, you know, you can be in the the most amazing physical condition. You could be the the greatest jiu-jitsu practitioner in the world, but if your mind is not ready, then all of a sudden, you know, you've got nothing, right? And so the mind will always, you know, mind over matter, as they say. And so one of the things that has helped me with my education is being able to put that in perspective in terms of, you know what, I don't care how physically fit I am. I don't care how uh, well I know techniques. What I'm going to do is I'm going to know myself. I'm going to know how my body works. I'm going to know how this person works and then start to use that to my advantage. So the, the awareness has kind of helped out a lot in terms of my breathing, you know, how I, how I'm able to control situations a little bit better because I don't let my, I don't let my, uh, uh, what should I call it? My ego get the best of me in certain situations. Say I'm on top of somebody right and I'm in a good position. Then I'll remember that it's all part of this physiological process. I'll start to breathe a little bit and control my heart rate. And so the psychology, uh, that, that's been the biggest takeaway of the full psychology background that I have is just kind of my, my ability to control myself, be aware of myself and then put things in perspective and just kind of go with the flow a little bit more and not, not let the, you know, not let everything catch up to me. But I think, you know, I think that's got to be the best thing that I've taken away from the psychology. Plus, it also helps out in tournaments, too. And so, you know, it's being in tournaments, is it can be kind of be a nerve-wracking experience. And so I tend to try to look around and absorb my surroundings and, you know, use use my trains, kind of remember. It helps me be aware and know about what I'm experiencing. So, for example, the anxiety. It's like when I start to feel my heart racing, when I start to feel myself sweating a little bit more, when I start to feel, you know, butterflies in my stomach, you know, it's, it helps me because I know that these are normal physiological symptoms to stress or anxiety. And so I can kind of put that in perspective and say, you know what, it's okay. It's okay that I feel like this. Let me just go ahead and breathe a little bit. Let me calm my heart down. Let me uh, relax. Let me you know, refocus. Why am I here? What am I doing? So, oftentimes, I don't even know why I'm there. What I'm doing, you know, it's it's weird because I get these I get these feelings of doubt where I don't even want to be at it. You know, at competition, I don't even want to be there. I keep telling myself, oh, why am I why am I competing? I'm 32 years old. I don't need to compete anymore. But then I remember, you know, this is all part of the the process of anxiety. This is all part of the the part of stress where you know we are just trying to 
put ourselves in a more comfortable position, you know, more comfortable situation because our body does not like being out of homeostasis. And so what I, when I remember that, I say, you know what? It's okay. I love to compete. I love to be out here. I love the, this experience. Whether I win or lose, it's okay. I'm doing exactly what I love. And so the psychology aspect of it, you know, it helps out immensely in terms of putting things in perspective and just being aware of my emotions and my logic and my ration. You know, so I think that's that's one of the, you know, couple couple of points that I've taken away from my from my education in psychology. In addition to learning about how, you know, learning about learning, how we learn things, how we internalize things, and so on and so forth. Do you think that uh, training jiu-jitsu would help somebody uh, in general have, like, a better mental health? I think to a certain extent, uh, I think that training jiu-jitsu has a, a wide variety of benefits to people, both mentally and physically. Um, I do I do think that it can go both ways, and I think I, what I mean by that is you see sometimes, especially beginners, and sometimes they are so wrapped in doing well, and, you know, you, you guys have been there, uh, you know, where you, you first start doing jiu-jitsu, and all of a sudden, it's like you, you see that 16-year-old kid, and he just whoops the crap out of you. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, crap, you know, I suck at this. I'm no good at this. That happened to me That's yesterday. actually what did it for me. <laughs> my first uh, my first day of jiu-jitsu, there was a kid. He was 16 years old, 135 pounds. I was weighing close to 190, 195 pounds. And here I am, a grown man, 28 years old. And this kid is doing cartwheels all over me. I think uh, Galval had just done a cartwheel or something past some <laughs> championship. <laughs> I guess it must have been on YouTube. And he was just cartwheeling all over me. And so that kind of that, that's kind of what did it to me. And I think what what it was for me when I first started was a game, right? And so now it's just something that's something that's challenging and that I want to do better at. And in order to do better at, I realized that, especially since I'm a beginner, I need to learn how to fail and I need to learn how to fail quickly. And so. When I got comfortable with being okay failing, it kind of opened up. It opened up a lot in terms of my my development in jiu-jitsu. And so, for me, you know, there's that double-edged sword where, for me, it helped me out psychologically because I was able to really quickly just lose my ego. I was able to really put things in perspective again and just say, you know what, I'm a beginner at this. I am not going to be beating every single person in here, no matter what I try to do, and no matter what you know, what what kind of strength or endurance or athleticism I bring to the table. This is not that kind of party. So on the other hand, you get people that, you know, maybe they've been doing CrossFit for 10 years or maybe they were an all-star football player or maybe they were a championship high school wrestler, a college wrestler, and they come into jiu-jitsu and they get collared, choked, or guillotine, and all of a sudden you kind of, you kind of see it in their and they're huffing and puffing after that first uh, after that first tap or after the first round. They're, they're kind of upset. And so I, I think that, it can go both ways. You know, the psychological aspect of jiu-jitsu is, A, it can either tear your ego down in a positive way that'll help you learn more and experience more, or B, it'll tear your, tear your ego down in a negative way where you'll never actually be on the mats again. I'm sure you've seen both types throughout your tenures in, in jiu-jitsu training. Yeah, you're absolutely but overall, right. I think, it is a, I, think, I think it is a good thing overall. I think that, I mean... It is humbling to get beat up by somebody who's a lot smaller than you when you first start jiu-jitsu. But it, in the long run, that's kind of a neat experience if you can get past it. Right? I, yeah, I actually think that's what made me keep going with the sport. I I just saw how great it worked. I, I remember the first time I ever rolled with somebody, and I was kind of like that CrossFit guy. I wasn't really doing CrossFit, but I was working out all the time, thought I was in great shape. And I just got destroyed by some guy who... 
half my size, didn't look like he was in shape. And, and I'm that guy, I'm, I've, I'm just going to keep going at it. I mean, I, I failed well, kind of like what you said. I, I learned to f- yeah. fail well, which I think really helped me instead of, uh, uh, you know, being upset and just uh, backing out and never coming back again. Right. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, that was it for me. It was getting beat up by this 16-year-old kid, and, you know, it, was, it, it turned into such a game for me. It turned into, well, how's he beating me? What is he doing? You know, being, paying attention to what he was doing that allowed him to tap me out, to, you know, uh, armbar me, to choke me, to do this or that, to basically do whatever he wanted. It was very, very interesting. And so what I, you know, it's, it's a habit that I still carry now, and I often tell people, you know, especially students and, uh, you know, beginners when they when they train, I say, pay attention. You know what I mean? You know, you can't, first of all, you can't pay attention if you're not breathing well. So uh, it's actually interesting. I, I, found, I learned a lot about attention and breathing uh, when I was doing a little research for a motor learning class. And it was on, uh, it was on, basically what I was, what I wanted to learn about was choking, choking under pressure. So why do people choke? And so one of the more popular theories in choking under pressure is that uh, when you have a task, you're basically stimulated to a point where you should be, op- you know, performing optimally. When you get stimulated past the point where you, sh- you know, where your heart rate, so it's, it goes from uh, use stress to de-stress to a point <laughs> where you're so overstimulated that your attentional focus, your focus shifts just a little bit, and that's when people miss the free throw or miss, you know, miss getting gold at a tournament. Is their attention just shifts just a little bit? So, for one, what I tell beginners all the time is. In order to perform well, you need to be paying attention. And if you can't control your heart rate, if you can't control your breathing, then your attentional shift, your attentional focus is going to go out the window. And so I, I remind them of a time where they were at training jiu-jitsu and they had a really tough training session. And I say, what can you remember about that class? More often than not, they say, oh, I don't remember what I learned. I don't remember this. I don't remember that. And I remind them that the reason why they don't remember anything is because they were so gung-ho about each and every minute they were on the mats, just kind of putting in 200% effort, that their mind was just on autopilot. And so that happens, it happens a lot to us when we just go on autopilot. We, don't, we kind of go red or go black, and we don't, really see what's, you know, we don't really see what's in front of us. We're not paying attention. And so what I often tell people is you, you have to pay attention. You have to be checking out what this person is doing, what this person is doing to catch you here, what this person is doing to catch you there. How are they baiting you? What are they doing? What is, what is the sweep that they keep catching you with? And so I actually have a success story with this. There's a sweep that my professor was uh, catching me with just over and over. It was, it was embarrassing. He was just hitting me with it over and over again. And so I eventually started paying attention. I would put myself in that position all throughout the entire match. And I said, you know what, I'm going to figure out what this sweep is. And so I end up in this position. I, I, you know, I I experiment with different grips and I realize what he's doing. It's basically a half guard sweep. It's called the John Wayne sweep. And if y'all have not heard of it, I recommend checking it out. It's a really, really simple sweep. And again, it's embarrassing how, how easy it is to catch people with it. And when I teach people this sweep, you know, they start to say, wow, that was it. It almost felt like you were just giving it to me. I'm like, no, the leverage is actually just so good that it works. And so anyway, I'm experimenting with different grips and let, you know, putting myself in this position. And I realized, okay, he's in half guard here. This is where he's putting his foot. This is where he's doing that. Okay, cool. So I'm going to go ahead and research this. So I started researching it, found the sweep, and I started using it. It's actually become a huge part of my game now. And so, yeah, you know, by paying attention, it allows you this ability to kind of learn and grow more because you're actually focused on the things that are actually happening in a match as opposed to just being so emotionally overwhelmed by your feelings and the, and the experience of it 
that you're actually re- to re- you're able to retain more. Yeah, I bet a lot of the guys that you train with in your school, um, a lot of the guys you've kind of taken under your wing and coach, they have they are lucky to have somebody with you know your psycho psychological aspects plus your your skill level to actually help them out, teach them like. I had never really heard anybody just say, really just pay attention. You know, you're learning about your breathing. But that's really got to help the guys there at your school and your training partners. I would I would love Thank to have somebody, you know, help me with that avenue there. Thank you. I, you know, I think it's important. I think it's really, really important. I think, you know, uh, one thing that I've been doing, this kind of ties into everything. One thing that I've been doing lately uh, for the last couple of months has been doing mindful meditation. And so I used to be in therapy for anxiety. And my, uh, believe it or not, I have a really bad anxiety, right? So I used to be in therapy for anxiety, and my therapist would always tell me, you know what, it's okay, just breathe, focus on, you know, just focus on your breathing, always bring it back to your breathing. And so I did it for a while and helped out a lot with my anxiety. This is a little bit before I did jiu-jitsu. And so it's something that over the last couple of months I've been going back to is just this idea of mindful meditation. And so... Um, what I what I try to do and what I recommend to all of my students and usually most people never do it because who wants to meditate, right? I tell people, you know what, just take five minutes out of your time. Take five minutes out of your time, sit down in a room, close your eyes, breathe in until your lungs hurt, breathe out until your lungs hurt. Whenever you start thinking about something else, pay attention to what you're thinking about and bring it back to your breathing. It's okay if, you, if It's okay if you're thinking about something you have to do at work. It's okay if you're thinking about something, you know, it's a new technique that you just learned. Just bring it back to your breathing. Never, never let your heart, you know, heart beat faster than it should. Always try to get your heart rate down. Just keep on paying attention to your breathing. Do it for five minutes a day. I guarantee that you'll start seeing significant improvements in your training. And so this, this, you know, obviously the utility of this extends way beyond just jiu-jitsu. And so one, one thing that I tell people sometimes is there's only, there's only two ways to get experience. One, by actually doing something. And two, by thinking about it, because half the time your brain doesn't know the difference between a physical movement and a mental movement. And there are studies that show that, so for example, if I have a, a uh, if, if, I, if I'm pretending to do a dumbbell curl, if I just think about the dumbbell curl, there will be signals in my bicep that will activate because of the fact that they're, uh, you know, my, I'm thinking about it. I mean, the only thing different is that my brain is inhibiting the, uh, inhibiting the actual movement, but nonetheless, there are signals that are being sent to my bicep. And so there's actually a really interesting anecdote by Josh Waitzkin. So for those who don't know who Josh Waitzkin is, he is the uh, subject of the Searching for Bobby Fischer, the chess prodigy. He is also a Marcelo Garcia black belt. And in his book, The Art of Learning, this is where I got this topic from, in his book, The Art of Learning, he uh, talks about how he broke his wrist in a, before a Tai Chi uh, championship, before a push championship, his doctor told him that he wouldn't recover in time, so basically what he did, since he couldn't physically practice, is he actually mentally practiced. And so he mentally practiced, and, you know, in the book he talks about how his doctor was like this miracle. So he was able to, he was able to do the world championship, and if, if I remember correctly, I think he actually won that particular uh, push hands championship. And so that got me into this whole idea of meditation. And, uh, you know, I tell, you know, back to what I tell my students, I said there's only two ways to get experience, either A, you physically practice something or B, you mentally practice it. And so the best way to retain and internalize everything you do in Shih is by not only doing it, but thinking about it. Just think about it. You know, on your drive home, think about it. Don't listen, you know, don't listen to me, don't listen to it. Just focus on what you just learned. Inter- find a way to internalize it, whether you're on the drive home, whether you're taking a hot bath at night, 
right before right before bed, so on and so forth. Just find a way to think about what you're doing. Always internalize and practice in your mind, especially since not you know not all of us have the luxury of training twenty four seven. Does that make sense? Yes, definitely. <clears throat> and I, I do like that would help you off the mat. That would really help you with anything that you want to get better at. Um, Oh. That that the little break of meditating and then thinking about uh, doing something physically. Uh, uh, it's interesting how your brain activates and does things. Um, and it actually helps you. So would this work if I uh, watch uh, like that John Wayne sweep on on YouTube and then I just take a break? I don't watch it anymore and I like try to uh, physically take my body through that technique and like what would it feel like and and how my body would be moving and and what I'd be doing. Is that kind of what you're talking about? I mean, theoretically, yes, right? So, I mean, uh, so this was, uh, I was also doing some homework, so I'm not sure if y'all read my, my weekly challenges, but uh, sometimes I, you know, I, I got away for a while of actually, you know, doing research and, and Googling and YouTubing uh, different positions or different techniques, but, you know, recently I stumbled upon an old app of, uh, it was, I, I bought the Michael Langney uh, Reverse Teleheva Suite, uh, Reverse Teleheva app, which, by the way, is incredible, and uh, so I revisited it. And before bed, I basically spent about half an hour just kind of checking out the movements, you know, trying to internalize them, trying to meditate on them, trying to figure out how they would work in my head. And sure enough, the next, uh, you know, the next day they were working pretty well for me. Now, the opposite was true with one of Keenan Cornelius' one guard techniques because <laughs> that, was a lot more that was a lot more complicated to internalize. So I, uh, I didn't have much success, but after a couple of tries with that, I was able to remember some of the techniques. But, you know, I think, I think with anything you do, whether it's wanting to learn jiu-jitsu techniques, preparing for a presentation, uh, you know, trying to just reduce overall anxiety in your life, I think, you know, mindful meditation, mental practice, mental training – is a huge, huge part, and almost, you know, almost as important, if not more important, than the actual physical part. Now, to add to your, to add to your, uh, your question, your comment was, uh, I think a lot of it, as well as the muscle memory, and so being able to put things not only in your mental memory, but actually have your body integrate itself so that the whole body can perform the technique, as opposed to, you know, you know, uh, just just remembering it. So it's obviously important to physically practice the techniques in addition to mentally practicing the techniques. That's very interesting. Uh, it's been uh, over a year, but we inter interviewed the author of um, The Talent Code, and he, he, he didn't know anything about jiu-jitsu, but he does know a lot about developing talent and skill. And he's talking about muscle memory and, and how your body works. And it, a big part of it is like the little neurons in your brain, there's, there's little... Uh, was it called myelin that wow. go between those two things, and as you train and you and you work harder on this thing, that actually gets thicker, like the little string between the two neurons, and so it like right. the thoughts move faster. It actually is like it actually like is a cable for internet, you know, like it, it go faster. And I bet like yeah. by doing this mental training and thinking about your techniques, it probably somewhat actually uh, builds that a little bit. Uh, I mean, oh, uh, without without a doubt. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think I was just, it's, I never thought of it like being yeah. able to train mentally yeah. like that, but I think it would probably help. It's probably like a muscle. I mean, you work your muscles. You do, it as as uh, Ricardo was saying earlier, a bicep curl. I mean, you're, as, your mu as your brain is working, yeah. it's probably the same thing. Man, so on that note, 
uh, one of my, so I'm working right now. My coursework is I'm doing an internship at a uh, functional restoration clinic. It's just for those who don't know what functional restoration is, it's uh, essentially treatment for chronic pain that extends beyond medical models. So right now, if you're to have pain, what, what, what you would do is you go to a, hospital or a clinic that prescribe you medication, and that would be it. So this place uh, actually provides uh, mental, sorry, uh, counseling, physical therapy, uh, occupational therapy, basically just a holistic way to treat people. So I'm kind of learning a little bit there. But I also have my thesis work, and then I have an independent study. My independent study is actually on the neurobiological changes in the brain as a result of mindful meditation. And so all of these, uh, there's all this evidence that shows that your brain actually undergoes change, undergoes change from, a, from a structural and functional level. So basically what that means is when you meditate, the areas of your brain that are responsible for attention are actually becoming more, you know, dense. So they, they essentially cortical thickness. And so the gray matter is more dense. And so just like you said, the little myelin is starting to be more uh, insulated. It, it actually helps out build the part of your, your brain that does attentional process. So there's all this kind of uh, link between the attentional processes in addition to emotions, emotion regulation, stress, uh, you know, uh, performance under pressure, so on and so forth. And so the, it's kind of like that old, you know, the old saying, uh, if you don't use it, if you don't use it, you lose it. So that's kind of the idea. So in, in my mind, building the jiu-jitsu brain is all about not only practicing it physically, but also you know training your brain to utilize the parts of it that do jiu-jitsu that are responsible for jiu-jitsu training. Does that make sense? Then I and I'm kind of I'm speaking outside of my my area of expertise by trying to talk about you know neuroscience and uh, how the brain works, but. You know, I do think that there's some truth to, to if you want to optimize your jiu-jitsu learning, then you should start to practice, uh, you know, start to use the areas of your brain that are more, uh, that facilitate the actual learning and execution of the techniques a little bit more. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. It's fun to, to try to learn about this and, and figure out what's going on in your head as you train and when you, when you think about jiu-jitsu and, and, and ways to do that to help you uh, get better. Um Without even, I mean, mat time is priceless and, and you can't replace that, but we can't, I mean, our bodies can't train all the time. It just doesn't work out that way for right. us. And our schedules don't allow it either. So, but to be able to right. take, you know, if you're injured, to be able to think about things and, and try to try to get a little bit better. Uh, we uh, also interviewed, I keep bringing up all the interviews, but you keep, like, all these things are <laughs> like, connecting in my head. Uh, John Kavanaugh uh, said that when, when, when people come, they get injured and when they come back, they're always better. They're always better than when they left. And he thinks that part of that is they get time to think about what they're doing and not just the daily grind of training all the time, but they get to analyze their game, think about it, and that it's a different mode that they're in and that they come back and they're, they're better than them when they left. So, Wow. So you know, you know what's crazy? You bring, you bring that up, how people get better after, uh, after um, an injury. So the worst jiu-jitsu injury that I have experienced in my, in my five years is uh, I broke, so I broke my ribs. I guess a year and a half ago, it was December of last year, and so if anybody's ever had a rib injury, they know how horrible, <laughs> how horrible experience <laughs> it is. It's just one of those things where you can't even do normal daily functions, like using the restroom, laughing. You know, I have I have the luxury of being with a very funny girlfriend who likes yeah. to make me laugh. <laughs> I, it was it was just the worst the worst time of my life. You know, I kept on getting mad at her for for making me laugh so much. But anyway, I broke my ribs in December of uh, last year, just a few months after getting my purple belt, and. Uh, it before then I played a very tight 
top game, and I also played a very tight bottom game. So it was half guard and close guard all day before you know when I was a, when I was a blue belt. I had a little open guard from from uh, mostly X guard and butterfly guard from when I used to train with Aaron. But after moving to Gracie Baja, you know my professor is a little bit more old school. He likes to smash and pass and you know play tight. And so I, I developed a very tight game. I break my ribs and then, you know, I, yeah, I'm miserable for one. So I'm, I don't know what to do with myself. So I'm basically just watching instructionals, trying to meditate, trying to take the Josh Waitzkin approach of, of just healing, mentally healing my ribs, right? And so I, uh, around, around a month into, in, into it, I uh, was talking to my professor via Facebook message, and he sends me a link. And it was at the time, I guess, Bree Jiu Jitsu. They did a uh, they did a a guard a guard study of Keenan Cornelius, and so they studied how he transitions from short to medium to, to long range uh, guards. And so he's like, "Check this out. You need to watch this because right now, the last thing you're going to want is people on your ribs. You're not going to want anybody in front of you. So you need to start learning how to use your legs to keep people off you." And so I say, of course, this sounds great. The last thing I want is anybody laying on top of me. And so I, I just want to keep people away from me. And so I started studying this guard retention, uh, this guard uh, study video. And three months later, so I was, out, I was out a total of three months, and I was actually training and competing again four months, four months after. And uh, I noticed that my game was just at a whole other level. I, I, it was almost like I had never left, and I had been on the mats double the time that I normally am. And it was just it was crazy how the four months off, it just got me, it got everything on point. Everything was clicking. And all of a sudden, it's like, because of this injury, I now have a new game to play with. I now, I now understand a lot more about the game that I'm playing and the game that I was playing and how to make them more effective. And so it was, uh, you know, really interesting that you bring that up about how people take time off for injury and they come back. And it's almost like sometimes they come back stronger than before. And on another note, I've actually been thinking about this uh a little bit as far as coming back stronger, I think. Grapplers, come out and roll. Grapplers, come out and roll. Grapplers, come out and roll. All right now. For all you grapplers out there on the big mat, I've been asked to send out a request. The BJJ Brick Podcast is going to need some help on this one. They are in it deep. Real deep. They want you to write them a funny review on iTunes. If you think you can. If you feel like they've been doing good. Real good. They would love it if you gave them five stars. Make some jokes, please. You can even do it at their expense. They will read it on the podcast. And of course, for your efforts, they will be happy to send you out a key patch. A BJJ Brick key patch. All right, well, that wraps up the first half of our interview with Ricardo from Jujiology.com. He's uh, he's a lot of fun to talk to. The interview uh, progresses next week. You know, I I really like how he helps himself deal with anxiety and uh, and helps his uh, students do that. You know, and he'll get more into that uh, in next week's interview as well. But uh, very 
very nice to have somebody with a with the psychology background helping uh, people that that do jujitsu. Yeah, you know what I really found very interesting was the part about when you're injured. You may not be able to get on the mat, but you can visualize. You can go over the training in your mind. And, you know, just the way your mind and your body work together, I thought that was uh, very interesting and and something I thought I could uh, definitely bring to my own training. Yeah, you, like when you're when you're thinking of a certain technique, your your brain is actually running, you know, like really think about it and visualize yourself moving. And it, your brain's actually doing some of the similar things it would be doing if you were doing the technique. That's pretty neat. Yeah, yeah. But I, I wonder if that's why it seems like a lot of times if I have been injured – and I come back after, you know, let's say three weeks off or something. It seems like I'm better. My cardio may be a little down, but I always just attributed it to I was so fresh and so excited to train again. But that whole time I was out, I was always visualizing. I was always thinking about jujitsu and going over in my head. So I think that was one of the things that kept me from having such a big fall off when I came back. And I didn't realize it till till talking to him. Yep. Next week it, it, the interview continues. I'll I'll put like a little uh, little clip from this interview, kind of to help it transition over. But uh, he's going to talk about uh, why he doesn't train on Wednesdays. That's he didn't train Wednesdays, and there's a reason for it. And why in between rounds he doesn't go drink water. What he does instead of that helps him uh, more than water would uh, help him keep him refreshed. I think those are two uh, really interesting things that, that he mentioned to us in the second part of the interview. There's a lot more to it. It's it's basically as long as the first half. And and uh, when you get a guy who is that interesting to talk about with jiu-jitsu, keep him on the phone as long as they'll, they'll talk to you. So that's kind of what we did. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. It was, it was very interesting. So uh, definitely tune in next week. Um, we better mention he does have – he is sponsored by uh, Natural Stacks and uh, – I'll put a link to that in the show notes. He mentions that in the second half of the interview, but he didn't get to mention it since we cut him off and made a two-part episode. So so definitely uh, check out Natural Stacks, www.naturalstacks.com. Definitely uh, very good supplements there. Yep, and he's got a coupon code, and I'll put that in the show notes as well, R-I-C-A-R-D-O-P, and that's 15% off, um, and that just lets him know that uh, he sent you as well. Use that coupon code to help support Ricardo and Jujaology.com and uh, get yourself a good deal on supplements. Gary, I've got some more ghee patches left in the, the pile. It's getting a little bit shorter. How would you go about to get one of those ghee patches there, Byron? Well, well I'm glad you asked, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> the, the most common way for us to, to send out a ghee patch is we give it away for free. We just ask you to do us a little free? favor. Yeah. You want to write us, if you want to write us a review on iTunes or Stitcher Radio or wherever you're listening to this podcast uh, through, uh, write us a little review. We hope that we get five stars or, or whatever a good rating would be, like you know three thumbs up or how many thumbs you have. I don't know. Uh, then send us an email at bjjbrick at gmail.com, which is where you'd also get a hold of us anytime you want. And uh, we'll get with you and, and thank you for the review and uh, get your address from me and send you out a, a key patch. Pretty simple. Definitely simple, nice key patches. Uh, we'd appreciate it if you send in a review and uh, and hope you enjoy it. We'd like to, uh, uh, if you could send us a picture of you with it, uh, with the patch on your gear, we'd appreciate that also. We'll put it on the uh, on our webpage. That would be a lot of fun. Uh, just reminding everybody that we do send out the show notes every week on Tuesdays. If you want to get, sign up for that list, you can go to the uh, website, bjbrick.com, or the Facebook page. And uh, put your name and email in there. 
Uh, it's a pretty simple deal. We have, like I said, Facebook page, Gary, a lot of fun on there. And uh, a Twitter account, a YouTube uh, video. I showed my, I, I shared the YouTube video last uh, last week. That I've actually mentioned. had people uh, comment about that, the, the grilled cheese video. So uh, cheese. definitely check that one out. I tried to, uh, I'd forgotten about that video until you mentioned it the other week. I, I, uh, I basically have a cooking fail. Uh, you know how to if you're gonna head up to class, you know you got you got no time to cook. You know how you can make a grilled cheese sandwich in just a matter of minutes, and uh, the house fills with smoke, and the grilled cheese sandwich ends up on the floor for one reason or the other. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you have to check it out. Uh, hopefully, get you get you a little uh, little laugh. Uh, that's kind of the goal, I guess. I don't know. It was a weird that's video. Cool. It was funny. Yeah. My dog makes an Definitely. appearance, so that's nice. It's always good to have the dog make an appearance. Yeah. Gary and I are both located in Wichita, Kansas, which is kind of in the middle of the country. So if you ever happen to be traveling through this way, send us a message. We'd love to uh, train with you. Absolutely. We always enjoy that. And uh, I always feel a little bit bad when you could point me out from the uh, the logo there. You're the guy with the big nose. But uh, hey, that's part of it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we all have stuff to uh, identify us. <laughs> That's like the nicest way you can say that, Gary. <laughs> I got your back, literally. Yes, you do, many a times. <laughs> so uh, we'll catch you guys next week. We'll have part two of this interview. We we definitely appreciate you listening. Thank you, and uh, tune in next week. Yep, stay sorted, my friends. Thank you for listening. I hope you find the time today to roll. After all, the best way to get better at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Your last name, am I saying it correctly, Castaneda? Castaneda, yeah. The, uh, so the N is basically pronounced like it has a Y after it. Yeah, yeah okay. And the D is pronounced like it has a TH, like a the. But otherwise, it's good enough. I'm, I've, I've been used to uh, people mispronouncing my name since <laughs> I was a kid, so <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard all sorts of versions of it. <laughs> Castaneda? Uh, I, I mean, I'm saying it slowly, but... Like Casta and then Yeta, Kasten. I don't know. Maybe I'll have Gary do it. Gary, <laughs> I don't. We want to get it as. I mean, only if we say it. Usually we do like the introduction and we'll say your full name and then we'll just call yeah. the card after that. So it's good if we get your name pronounced correctly. I think this should be. I think this should be the blooper reel. No, <laughs> We're actually making yeah. one too. <laughs> that would be. That would be funny. Gary, give it a shot. Castaneda. Casta. Yeah, nah, here. This is when I uh, what I help, what I do to help, what I do to help people pronounce it phonetically. If you uh, so write this down, and I'll write it down for you in case you have, you have a pen. Yes. Yeah. So if you write, so check it out. C A H S T A H N Y E H T H A A Casta Nieda. That's all you, Byron. Oh man, Cast <laughs> uh, I feel like I'm not doing That's it. Perfect. I'll, I'll say. How about we? we I don't want to. I don't want to mispronounce your name. I don't. I, I don't want to do that. So I'll say. Um, 
Like, well, welcome Ricardo yeah. to the podcast. R- Ricardo, Ricardo tell us about yourself. Yeah, and then introduce yourself, and then I'll have you say your full name. How about, would that be better? That's perfect. <laughs> yeah, that'll work. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to do you any disservice here and, and, and mispronounce <laughs> your name. No, no worries. I, so you know, I used to answer the phone at my home at uh, telemarketers to call asking for Cast- Castanzo. <laughs> that's the weirdest one I heard is Castanzo. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> You're like George yeah. is not here. It was at the height of Seinfeld, too. So I got, <laughs> like, yeah, like my least favorite character. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and this is going to be fun. I can tell already. Okay, 